Hello, and welcome to another in the Hoover Institution series of special midterm election podcasts. I'm your host, Troy Sinek, and I'm joined today by two guests. The first is Doug Rivers, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution and professor of political science at Stanford University, as well as chief scientist for the polling firm YouGov LLC. And the second is David Brady, Davies Family Senior Fellow at Hoover and also a professor of political science at Stanford. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Nice to be here. All right. So today uh, we're going to do a little bit of what in the sports world is called whip around coverage, just kind of bouncing from race to race here a week out from the midterms and examining the state of play. So let's start with the let's start with the low-hanging fruit. Um, Doug, Republicans need a net gain of six seats retake control of the Senate. There are a ton of competitive races that could break the GOP's way if things go right. Uh, but what about foregone conclusions? Which seats can Republicans basically rest assured going into election night that they're going to pick up? Uh, in terms of pickups, obviously, uh, Montana's an easy one in the foregone conclusion category. Uh, there, um, it looks... Uh, at this point, like Arkansas and Louisiana are a uh, pretty high probability of Republican pickups, uh, though Louisiana is not going to happen on uh, election night. Uh, that's uh, going to go into a runoff. And uh, David, what about a couple others that have been floated? Uh, West Virginia seems like it's probably fairly safe for Republicans. And what about South Dakota? That was one that for a long time was being set up as an easy pickup for Republicans, but it seems like there's been some doubts about that in the press the past couple of weeks. Well, I think uh, West Virginia is going to be a, uh, a Republican uh, pickup at the Senate race. In fact, uh, the Democratic rep from the state role is in some trouble, so I think West Virginia is going to go Republican. Uh, South Dakota is, uh, depending upon the polls, uh, Closer than you might have thought. But on this, I think uh, it is important to make one point that when uh, Doug's talking, he has, YouGov has a sample of 120,000 people, which uh, across the country on the Internet, uh, which solves the problem of uh, sample size in states. Because, you know, you get a sample of one, a normal sample size is 1,000 people and you get plus or minus 3%. And that's not very many per state. So I think that the key to understanding this conversation is that when Doug is talking, he's talking about uh, his results from YouGov which are, I believe, the largest sample ever used in a midterm congressional election. So how about the, the flip side of the question I just asked you guys? What races are we looking at and saying uh, maybe we, we take this one off the board? I mean I'm thinking here specifically of Michigan where you, you have an open seat this year that has been held for a very long time by a Democrat, by Carl Levin. Earlier this year, there was a thought that Terry Lynn Land, the Republican nominee, might have a shot at it. Uh, that hope now seems to have tapered off. Uh, Doug, is, is Michigan basically out of reach now? Yeah, I think uh, Peters is up uh, any, up to 10 points, at least seven in most polls. Okay, so let me take you guys through some of these close races. Um, how about Colorado? This is – you've got a place where Democrats have done very well over the last decade or so. Tea Party sort of got blamed for the Republican loss in the Senate race there uh, four years ago. But Cory Gardner, the GOP challenger to the Democratic incumbent, Mark Udall, does not really seem to have flagged in this race. So, Doug, tell us what do the polling numbers look like in Colorado a week out? Yeah, so uh, the majority of the polls actually have uh, Gardner ahead in that race. 
Uh, our poll is uh, one of a small set that uh, show Udall up. Uh, we have Udall up by a point. That's obviously uh, not the sort of thing you'd want to bet on. Um, the nature of that race is uh, there's also a very competitive governor's race in Colorado. Uh, so the combination of those two uh, is going to mean there are a lot of Democratic turnout efforts. And I think in the end that may uh, push it in the Democratic side. Um, if uh, the Democrats can get uh, 13 percent or so of uh, uh, Hispanics voting, uh, they're likely to win that election. And that is a state, by the way, in which the polls have, uh, over the past couple of elections, consistently been wrong because they uh, underestimated the turnout. And I, I agree with Doug. The combination of the governor's race and the tight Senate race means I think Democrats have a bit better chance than most people are giving them. And Dave, one other question that I was going to ask you there. Colorado has sort of been a point of pride for Democrats over the last decade or so. They've spent a lot of time talking about the Colorado model by which they organize the state. If Republicans win one or conceivably even both of those states, um, how should they think about those victories? Is this just sort of a blip in the, the bigger Democratic trend line there or should Republicans be feeling newly confident if they pull off a victory or two? Well, I would think they should feel uh, pretty confident about that because I, I think uh, given what Doug said about the uh, turnout, uh, if they uh, can increase turnout among their voters sufficient to offset the combination of the Hispanic voters and the combination of those two campaigns, I'd feel pretty good about that, especially since I know in the state they are attempting to emulate some of the Democrats' methods, a lot of personal contact among uh, for Republican voters. So I would feel pretty confident mostly about the different campaign they're running in 2014. So Colorado is a state that's traditionally been a Republican state. It still has a, about a five-point uh, Republican registration advantage. Uh, but if you ask people, do they consider themselves Democrats or Republicans as opposed to what they're registered as, uh, there uh, you've got a Democratic lead, uh, and, and the state voted twice for Barack Obama. Uh, so it's it's relatively bluish state at the moment. So, Doug, going even further west, what about the race in Alaska? We're always being told that that's an extremely difficult state to poll. Any clarity on the way the wind is is blowing up there? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, I think most of the uh, most of the polls uh, have the uh, incumbent uh, Democratic senator Mark Begich down by five or six points. Uh, but they're all small samples. Uh, I'm not quite sure why it's hard to call Alaska, but people tell me it is. Uh, in terms of the Internet poll, it's a difficult population. The uh, native Alaskans are uh, uh, underrepresented on the Internet, uh, and it's hard for people to uh, figure out what share the different groups have in the electorate. Um, so the Alaska polling has got a lot of variability in it, and it's not the kind of thing that's uh, – big enough sample to be definitive. And Dave, it's also a somewhat idiosyncratic state, is it not? Because I know you have a Republican governor running for re-election there who is being threatened by an independent who's a former Republican running with a Democrat, I think, if I, if I have yeah. that correct. It's a very small state, very idiosyncratic, and uh, although it is a Republican, it is a Republican state. It's been pretty overwhelmingly Republican with an occasional exception, but it's my belief in this state. I, I think Doug's right. It's hard to, hard to get uh, very accurate polling there because you get four, 600 people 
people in a sample at best. But that that's a state where just my gut instinct tells me the Republicans are going to carry Alaska. How about Iowa? This is a similar story superficially to Michigan. You got a veteran Democrat retiring in the Midwest, but it seems that the the GOP is far more enthusiastic here. There's a very real feeling, it seems, that Joni Ernst, the state senator who's the Republican nominee, uh, might have a shot at taking this one. Doug, what's your read of the situation there in Iowa? Uh, so I think Iowa is one of the closest races in the country. Uh, they're all the polls range from about. Uh, Joni Ernst up by a couple points uh, to uh, her down by a point or so. Uh, our poll has her uh, down by a point. It's been sort of uh, consistent, but we did have it tied uh, about three weeks ago. Dave, let me ask you a, a related question on that. There is a, a school of thought that it seems to have just percolated the last couple of years that Republicans can maybe make up for whatever losses they're taking like in the in the Mountain West, for example, or parts of the Southwest by making inroads in the Midwest with more blue-collar types like in a state like Iowa. Uh, what On a practical level, what do you think the, the probability of, of that working out for Republicans in the next four or five years is? Well, I, the problem in Iowa is that uh, the demographics, sort of the what happens in Iowa is the number of blue-collar workers go down and the number of college students goes up as uh, University of Iowa, Iowa State, University of North Carolina continue to increase uh, enrollment. So my view is Iowa has uh, was for the longest time during the New Deal, uh, new, from the New Deal on a Republican state. And uh, it had occasionally it'd have somebody like Harold Hughes who would get elected governor and then senator. But lately, it's been a state that tilted Democratic at the presidential level, very close, very closely competitive. Uh, big dif- uh, big differences between the two parties' views on how the world ought to be run, and that makes the race uh, pretty exciting, pretty close. So this is this is, in my view, just a turnout a turnout question: who who can turn out their voters on election day the best? I think I was an interesting uh, case study in the gender gap. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of talk about the gender gap, usually how Republicans need to do better among women uh, since they typically uh, lose women by eight to ten points. Uh, so in Iowa, you've got a Republican one woman running against a uh, Democratic man. Um, and you've got a 12-point g- gender gap in the Democrats' favor, that is uh, – Women are voting 12 points more Democratic for a male candidate over a female candidate. Uh, we've looked at all the uh, the races because there are a lot of races this year with male-female uh, matchups. And there seems to be no relation between uh, the gender of the candidates and how uh, voters are uh, – women voters are splitting. Now, the gender gap's pretty much – you know, it goes from about five points to 15 points, independent of which party is running a woman. So uh, insofar as Republicans picking up votes among women by nominating a woman, woman that didn't seem to happen here, even though I think Joni Ernst has been a pretty good candidate. Talking about female candidates, Doug, take us to North Carolina. Kay Hagan, who's the Democratic incumbent there, seemed for a long time anyway – to be faring better than most sort of similarly situated Democrats in states that could swing one way or the other. It seemed like she was not bleeding out the way that some of the other Democrats were. Uh, How does that race look now a week out? It still looks uh, good for Hagan. She was thought to be very vulnerable uh, a year ago. This is a state that Obama won in 08, and then it swung to the Republican side in 12. 
Uh, it's a uh, you know a southern state, uh, though uh, has uh, you know is less uh, Republican than most of the southern states. Uh, but uh, Hagan's run a very good campaign and looks like she's going to win by anywhere two to five points would be my guess. That, that's a state that the demographics are uh, shifting uh, away from Republicans and toward Democrats as the kind of research triangle around the North Carolina, Duke, University of North Carolina, Duke, North Carolina state. That area is where the increases in population are. So where the Democrats are doing well is areas that are increasing population and the Republicans are strong in the rural areas where population is declining. So that makes that state uh, competitive now and in the next uh, decade or so. One last race that I'll ask you about where, where Democrats are imperiled and then we'll talk briefly about a, a couple of races that may be tight for Republicans. Uh, what's the situation in New Hampshire? I mean you have New England and the, the Northeast seems to be an area where Republicans are really not very strong anymore. Uh, but there is some thought that, that Scott Brown might be able to make this competitive against Gene Shaheen, the uh, Democratic incumbent there. Uh, Doug, do the, the polls support enthusiasm for Republicans, some optimism they may be able to pull this out? Uh, I think that's overblown. Uh, so Shaheen was thought to have a pretty easy road to reelection, you know, up by eight or nine points. Uh, Scott Brown, you know, had been uh, for a couple of years senator from Massachusetts, lost uh, his reelection attempt, and is now running in New Hampshire. Um, there are a bunch of polls that showed that race narrowing, uh, but it's uh, the lead is spread out a bit, and it looks like it's about a five point gap between Shaheen and Brown at this point. Okay, so last question that I'll ask here on, on specific races, and that's as I mentioned a moment ago, the Republican liabilities. Um, Pat Roberts in Kansas, Mitch McConnell in Kentucky, the open seat in Georgia, these have all been cited at various points as seats that the GOP could lose, which obviously changes the equation for regaining the majority. So, uh, Doug, looking at the numbers, which of those races do Republicans most need to worry about right now? Well, let me start with the, what they need to least worry about, and that's the McConnell race in Kentucky. So that was one that was thought to be competitive, but – uh, Democrats have stopped funding the advertising for Allison Lunders and Grimes in Kentucky. So that one appears pretty safe uh, Republican at the moment. Uh, the second big scare was the Roberts race. So the Democrat dropped out. You had an independent candidate, Greg Orman, who uh, wasn't clear about which party he would organize with if elected, though he obviously picked up the support of the Democrats in a uh, red state. Uh, it looks to me like the support for Orman is fading. Um, he was ahead a couple of weeks ago in most of the polls, and now most of them show it even or uh, a Roberts lead. Uh, we've got Roberts up by about a point there. Um, Georgia, uh, this race did not look very close for a long time, and it has tightened up to the point where Michelle Nunn, the daughter of the former Democratic senator, is competitive. Uh, they've also got in the governor's race there the grandson of Jimmy Carter running for governor. He's trailing uh, by four or five points in the governor's race. But it's quite remarkable that Democrats are able to run uh, a competitive midterm race in both the Senate and uh, the governors in Georgia. That's a pretty red state. So final question for you both. I'll ask you each to answer this in turn. 
um, pull back and, and give us the big picture. Obviously, this is an educated guess, but when, when the dust settles after Election Day, best guess at what we're looking at in the, in the U.S. Senate. Dave, I'll start with you. Well, I think the Republicans will capture a majority, whether it's 51 or 52. Uh, I don't know. And we may not actually know about that until um, December 6th because of the runoff that will occur in Louisiana and a potential runoff even even in Georgia. But I think the Republicans uh, will capture the Senate and gain uh, four, six seats, maybe even eight seats in the House. And, and Doug, what's your reading? Yeah, so uh – on the runoffs, uh, Dave's right. Uh, both Georgia and Louisiana have 50 percent requirements. Uh, in Georgia, I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, uh, Purdue will uh, will be above 50 percent in that race. Uh, but if it if he do- isn't, uh, that doesn't get decided till January. Um, overall, I'm looking at. Um, a range of 50 to 52 Republicans. I still think the most likely outcome is 51 Republicans. Um, And that happens if uh, the Democrats win Colorado, uh, the Republicans win Kansas, uh, Arkansas, uh, Louisiana, Georgia, um, and uh, then the toss-up race in Iowa. uh, That would be the difference between 51 and 52. All right. My guests have been Doug Rivers, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution and professor of political science at Stanford, as well as chief scientist for YouGov, LLC, and David Brady, Davies Family, senior fellow at Hoover and also professor of political science at Stanford. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. For the Hoover Institution, I'm Troy Sinek. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more information about our work, please visit hoover.org.